Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. It's lovely to be with you. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here with Vicki and Marilyn. And we're talking, as always, about all things homeschool high school. So uh, today we have an extra visitor in the podcasting studio, the glamorous home office studio. The illustrious office studio. Yes. So today we have Winston Thorpe. Winston is the dog of seven sister Allison, who is on a medical missions trip in Mexico this week. And I am Winston's aunt Sabrina. So I'm dog sitting him and hopefully he will not make a sound. (laughs) (laughs) But if he does, it will be useful. It will indeed. He's and a he wise has, dog. He has been a homeschooled dog, so he understands what we're talking about when it comes to homeschooling. He has lots of experience with homeschool high school and homeschool high school co-ops. He does. And co-ops is our topic for today. So yeah, co-oping is wonderful for many reasons. And whether you are a dog or a mom or a kid, co-oping can be good for you. You did a good segue there. <laughs> Way to tie Winston the dog into the podcast. (laughs) Allison will be so proud. Um, So co-ops. We did a lot of co-oping over the years of homeschooling, eh? Lots of different flavors of co-ops and group classes and lots of different experiences. And as we started brainstorming for the co-op episode, we realized that a co-op episode was probably not the way to go because there's too much about co-oping. So we're going to break it into two. And today we're going to talk about reasons for co-oping because there are lots of them and things that you should consider and uh, tips on how to get started and some general sort of plan it out um, things about different types of co-ops and what kind of questions you want to ask yourself if you are considering co-oping indeed and then next time we'll do lots of more specific ideas and some of our favorite activities and field trips and all that kind of stuff will be on a follow-up episode yeah so lots of the concrete how-tos on the next one and a lot of the the ideas the ideas the philosophies behind co-oping so yeah why why in the world would a homeschool mom who is perfectly content sitting in her own house with her children chained to a desk somewhere with their algebra books, why would she even consider co-oping? I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that is what we all do, is that right? Leading okay. I can't answer that because I wasn't happily at home by myself and my kids weren't happily chained to a desk. So. My kids definitely were not happily holding their algebra books. I know that. So, yeah. I remember when Marilyn and I started our first co-op many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, our boys were, our oldest ones, were going into high school. And the idea of high schooling was intimidating anyway. Back in those ancient days, there weren't many people doing it. So to have some things that we could do together for company and, and fun, Fun is a good idea. Fun is a good idea. And for discussions. Yeah. It's a little hard to have a meaningful discussion with just you and your child without it becoming too 
teacher-oriented. Right, right. And while I have meaningful discussions with myself on a regular basis, <laughs> that was not really helpful to my homeschool high schoolers. So, And, you know, part of being a teenager is finding other people interesting, mm-hmm. you know, trying on hats and, like, human development kind of things. So moms get kind of... Um, boring, you know, so Mm. the, a a discussion just with mom on deep things, you know, not on everything, but on deep things, sometimes it's nice to have a a different adult face and different student faces. Good. All right. So before we dig too far into discussion or whatever, let's talk about this very kind of abstract concept that fun is important in homeschooling high school. And, and I'm, I'm not being a smart aleck here. I want to seriously (laughs) dig into it a little bit because a lot of what you find designed to help people homeschool high school instead is effectively intimidating them because it's all about how to earn college credit while still in high school and how to make sure that your child has no holes in their transcript and how to be positive that you don't completely destroy them as a human being before you launch them into the adult world. And it's it's scary. It's AP and it's honors and it's push, push, push. It's it's oh my gosh, homeschooling. Yeah. yeah. And it's the the problem with that fear-based homeschooling is that it teaches everyone to that life doesn't happen until later. You know, so you you put off living today because you got to prepare for tomorrow. So, you know, middle schoolers never have a chance to be middle school. Because they're preparing for, oh my gosh, high school. High school. And then they never have a chance to be teenagers and do the developmental things they need to do as teens because, oh my gosh, they got to prepare for college. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, there has to be a balance. So what happens if there's not a balance? Let's just, let's spell it out because we've got some type A listeners. We love you, type A listeners. We even we are understand you sometimes. It. Yes. We are yes. type A listeners. But let's let's just spell it out. Why is balance so important? Well, and some kids are quite capable and need some things that are, are a little driven or a lot driven because that's the gifting God gave them. But if there is no joy in life, if there's no time that the kids can remember laughing with other kids, mm. we're missing something. Yeah. Another aspect of that that can be difficult, especially if all the homeschooling is one-on-one, is everybody, high schoolers included, need to learn that it's okay to fail once in a while. And if they don't ever have that opportunity to not have things be perfect, and then they go to college where, oh, surprise, surprise, everybody in your class is the same brainiac that you were, Mm -hmm. um, it can be a very difficult transition for them, which brings us back to preparing for college. But anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, but the healthy kind of preparing for college and for life after graduation, whether that's college or or not. The reason that that we're hitting this so hard, friends, is because um, co-oping was one of the places that helped us all balance our homeschool, high school experiences with our kids. I would have gotten out of balance in my own unique ways. Vicki would have gotten out of balance in her own unique ways. Marilyn would have gotten out of balance in her own unique ways. When we came together to co-op every week, it was calibrating. Indeed, yes. And it, wow, that was a good word. I just, I, I, like, I, yeah, that came thinking. out of my mouth and I thought, oh, snap. How very psychological of you I know. Um, it, it was like this huge deep breath that mm-hmm. I took every week when it was Thursday and it was time to go to co-op. 
And it was because I was going to see all of your homeschools and be reminded that there's not one right, right way, way. Yeah. to homeschool and that it's okay to have some failure in there. It's okay to have some periods where we're driven and some periods where we're relaxed. All of those pieces matter. So what you're saying, and I totally agree, is that co-oping isn't only about the young people. It's about the moms, too, Ooh. and that us moms need the balance uh, that and the things that we learn from each other. Indeed. So, yeah, so co-ops, if you're thinking about co-oping with other families, look for what your children need in terms of um, families that would be a good fit, but also look at what you need as mom and the kinds of moms that would be a good fit. And don't just look for people who are just like you. Let there be that variety. Um It'll be really calibrating for you. <laughs> how cool. <laughs> See how many times I can work that word into today's podcast. You know, and that, that reminds me, one of my favorite things of co-op with the moms over all the years was at lunchtime. And us moms would get together and we would, was that the right grammar? Oh my gosh. It, it worked for me. We, yeah. we moms. We, the, the moms. The moms. The moms. <laughs> <laughs> But we would pray together every lunchtime. And that prayer time together was so therapeutic and bonding. Mm, and the was. kids would sometimes say, will we get back to class soon? Because us moms would be moms praying up praying a again. They're still mm. praying in there. <laughs> yes, but yeah, good prayer time. And it was, it, again, it, was, it felt like breathing deeply yes. in the middle of my week. So, okay, when you are... Deciding that you want to co-op and there is not some magical perfect co-op that has sent you an engraved invitation in the mail saying, won't you please be a part of our perfect co-op? Because no perfect co-ops exist. So you want to get started. How do you get started? How do you find families that will help you create the kind of experience that will be good for moms and kids? Things have changed since we started co-oping because these days you can get on social media and you can put out something to other families. Yeah, we almost um, never used social media back in the day. Yeah. Because there was no internet. <laughs> there was internet for part of it, but part of it. not the social media. So there, you know, there are decisions to make about how large the co-op's going to be, where it's going to meet, all of those practical things, how long it's going to meet, is it all day, is it part of the day, what are you trying to accomplish with your co-op? But even if you find one other family and start with that, it's amazing how if you have a co-op that is fun and is working, people find you. Mm, that's true. That that was how I, I ended up in Vicki Maryland's co-op. You know, and we used to joke, those of us who were not in the co-op, we all knew about it. We would hear about stuff, you know, cool stuff they were doing. And people would say, yeah, I think someone has to die before you get invited into their co-op. Because I think there's only like so many spaces. And I, I don't know if someone died or not, but you guys made a place for me and I appreciate it. Well, we did have one year when a whole bunch of our students graduated and some of them were the last students in their family, which did open it up because the co-op was held in my house and there was a limit to how many people we could fit in there without, you know, killing each other, which sort of defeated the whole co-op thing. So, okay, so in, in very general terms, there are sort of two 
distinct groups in co-oping. You've got a co-op that meets in somebody's house that is on the smaller side and probably has a fairly casual, intimate dynamic. And then you have what a lot of people still call a co-op that I think of more as a day school or group, group classes, classes or an umbrella school environment. Mm-hmm. And it often meets in a church or a community building. And it maybe has 20 or 50 or 100 families in it. Yes, it's more like a, a college model school. Mm-hmm. And so people are meeting one day a week for classes and, and they're using a syllabus and, and going from that. And you may be using a syllabus in the smaller more intimate family co-op setting too, but the the groove is just kind of different. Yeah. So in our in our co-op co-op where we met at Marilyn's house, it was yeah that more intimate thing, and there was only enough seat space, you know, for a certain. Although we took over her whole house, I oh, think. Yes. And uh, so there were little kids in the basement making fire truck cakes with Mrs. Bailey, <laughs> which is still what my 20-year-old's favorite co-op memory of all time. Cool. And, uh, and then the high schoolers would be in one room and the middle schoolers in another and the elementary kids in another. So it took a certain number of moms. So part of how we decided, you know, what to do is, is how many age groups were we going to break into? Mm-hmm. And then we needed that many moms. Practical. At least that many moms, because not everybody taught every, every class period. period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, we had one mom who mostly made lunch, and that was really important. Yeah, she, and when, yeah. Vicky, when Vicky started talking about some of her favorite co-op memories, and she said what happened at lunchtime, and I was thinking, Cindy's Chicken soup. noodle soup. Yeah. 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 Like, it was this, really? this one of my happiest memories. <laughs> so we would eat Cindy's soup and pray. I and mean, pray. Oh, it was not get better than yeah. that. Yeah. But but one of the most important things is to know why you're going to have a co-op. Okay. You know, you, you have to know where you're driving or you end up with a mess. So you got, mm-hmm. you know, 14 moms with different agendas and goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sounds cheesy. So maybe but... the first thing is to prayerfully think through what you're looking for mm-hmm. in a co-op experience, what your goals are. And then as you talk with other families who might be looking to co-op, ask them to do the same, to figure mm-hmm. out prayerfully what their goals are and see how you can pull together a, a mission statement, essentially, for yes. what's the point of the co-op that we want to start. There's actually a lovely freebie at sevensistershomeschool.com in the ebook store under the freebies section that Vicki wrote um, about starting a learning co-op. And it has some just very practical tips to help you think through what are your goals. And then we also found in our years of co-oping uh, in different places, not just I was a part of your co-op as my kids were older, which was wonderful, but I was in a much smaller co-op with just my sister Allison when our kids were littles. And um, it was just our two families and there our goals and our expectations were quite different from what we ended up with then as our kids got older. So it's okay for those things to change. Right. But you want to be communicating them well and you want to move from just the overall goals for the co-op to then once you have that and you have a couple families that you're going to work together with, then you turn it into personal expectations. And that's some of the the concrete how to get along and still love each other when co-op is over kind of stuff. Right. You know? Right. Who's responsible for hosting? Is it moving from house to house? Uh, What are the rules for keeping this house not trashed? You know, yeah, things like that can damage relationships if they're not communicated clearly. So Marilyn kind of is the authority on that one because she was willing to let us come into her house every week for many years. What were some of the things that helped 
make that not a burden and instead was okay. Fortunately, we had co-op moms who typically pitched in and did their part. If they saw that the trash was overflowing, because we know that students will just keep piling it up way beyond <laughs> what it can really handle. You mean when it falls out? That yeah. doesn't, mean that doesn't mean anything? You know, they would come along, they would take the bag out and put a new bag in. Um, and we did have various roles assigned. One of our co-op mom's role was to change the toilet paper just sort of morphed into that because she always seemed to manage to go in the bathroom when the toilet paper roll needed to be changed. I, I think, think about her still. I think she just went to the bathroom more than the rest of us. There is she no did. way, statistically, that it was possible that she always seemed to find the toilet paper. But she did. <laughs> it was, and it was years and years and years of co-oping. And she was and always, she was always changing. changing the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> and she would always let us know yes. that she changed the toilet paper. Yes. Indeed. It, it branded my soul. Every time I change toilet paper, think I think of her. her. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, so, yeah. So, communicating that whole, we're all in this together thing of pitching. Exactly. Yeah. And fortunately, I'm fairly easygoing about the way my house looks. Co-op did make me clean up once a week. So, sometimes <laughs> I miss that, but... Um, Good motivator. I had to have it fairly clean when people came because when you have that many people in your house using almost every common area in the house, it has to start out somewhat together. (laughs) But we did have people pitch in. We did assign who was teaching what class at what time for, you know, which age group. Trying to think of other things. Yeah, we actually some years assign teenagers jobs in the like the teens would help clean things and right. some of the moms who hadn't had a lot of experience in a group we would sometimes assign jobs for them because they were learning how to jump in there and you know and some were not as comfortable teaching yeah. especially certain topics so they would do more of the practical things instead right and we eventually found a rhythm where yeah having someone designated to make lunch for everyone worked better than, I know a lot of co-ops where everyone packs their lunches and brings them and Mm -hmm. and eats their own thing. And um, for whatever reasons, we ended up, although there was a year where the teenagers did Did the lunches lunches. because they were learning cooking and home ec kind of stuff. Right, and they took turns. One of the issues, if which sounds stupid, but it is a practical issue, is when everybody packed their own lunch and you had... 17 people who all needed to put their food in the microwave, Mm. lunch could take a really long time because I had one microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were, there's a lot of logistics to that. And, and fortunately we co-opt long enough that we were able to work those out during our planning sessions. I mean, as much as real life lets you work things Mm. out. So, but they were, they, they became expectations as we had more experience. And it also gave us opportunities for grace. You know, how right. teens learn or, or kids learn to take their turns and be around people who ate different food or had to have it a certain way. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was good experience for life skills and flexibility. Well, and as we kind of wrap this up, you just mentioned our planning sessions. And that's really key. If you want to co-op, you need to set aside some time and sit with the other moms um, that you're going to be working with. And 
you need to really hash some of the stuff out. You need to pray together. You need to think about what the goals are for the co-op. You need to think about personal expectations among the various members. You need to think about the classes and who's a good fit for teaching what, and do you have a need that does not appear to be met from the people pool that you are working with. And maybe you need to pray about finding a family where the mom is going to help fill that need. Um, we, we saw that over years too, that there were times when when we would kind of need something that we didn't really have right in, in our people group. But to not expect that your co-op will plan itself. Right. And and the only way really to make that work is face-to-face time. Yes. Is you sit down together, everybody saying, what are their expectations? So are we going to have a co-op that just does, you know, science labs, which we did for a while which is when I almost burned down one house with Oops. <laughs> um, you know, so it was just a science lab co-op and once a month we'd get together and the kids would knock out all the required science labs, which was fun. And then we had the co-op that did most of the core subjects, at least the English right. and the, no math. We never no. did math. Um, but the English history. and the history. history. And sometimes so, science. Sometimes science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing, those kinds of things. Yeah. One of different things, we tried different things along the way. We would have a day when everybody would come and the moms would sit in a room and try to plan while the kids were supposedly off on their own doing stuff. <laughs> um, with the older ones kind of keeping an eye on the younger ones. Over time, we found that taking the moms away for a night or two for a retreat without children... Oh. Actually, for us, worked better because invariably those interruptions ended up leaving holes somewhere that, or you know, someone missed part of it and didn't realize they had a responsibility or something else. Plus, it gave us time to sit without any rush and pray together and have fun together and then start with one mind as we planned that year for co-op and get the details down without as many interruptions. Yeah, it's amazing when you have enough time to pray together how unified everybody's thoughts become. Mm-hmm. And so it was really nice when our kids got to be old enough that we could go on a retreat and it like a whole overnight. So you had bonding time spiritually but physically, like going on hikes, everybody but Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hike well. There are snakes in the woods, people. Do you not understand this? <laughs> hmm. Actually, one of the coolest things happened, and it was a God bringing it together thing um, on a planning overnight retreat, because I came into the co-op a couple of years behind, because I'm younger is really what it comes down to. <clears throat> Just a kid. Yeah. And uh, I was... Delighted and intimidated by Vicky's um, literature classes that she did for the high schoolers. And I loved seeing what she was doing with my kids. And I was drawn to it, but it was kind of that, it was like somebody having to die to get into the co-op. You know, that <laughs> the idea of anyone other than Vicky teaching literature was just, just, you didn't think it, much less speak it. So I had actually been praying about, I had this desire to do something with literature. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll offer to do the middle schoolers this year. And we were on our retreat and we had spent the morning with a lot of prayer time. And then um, 
we were just going to go around the circle and people were just kind of sh going to share anything that was stirring in them. And before we got to me, it was Vicky's turn and she said, I feel terrible saying this, but I do not want to teach lit again this year. I just feel like it's just time for a break. I just need a break and I don't want to do it. And my jaw dropped. <laughs> and then we got to me and I said, um, actually, I really want to teach lit. And it was just so cool because it was such a God thing, you know, but if we had not had that time to pray together, to talk and to not have the interruptions, I don't know that it would have come together the same way. It was taking the rush out. Yeah. Like we have a one hour session to plan. You would have never had done. that moment. I would have sucked it up and taught another year. Right. And you would have sat on your talents. Right. And instead right. we had the time to pray. And you know what? Having God in so the mix neat. is just, but it takes time. That's, that's a time thing. So set aside some time. If you have a desire to co-op, set aside some time to download that freebie from sevensistershomeschool.com. <laughs> that was brilliant, dear. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And um, take some time to talk to other moms and pray with them and take some time to map out the, the overall goals and then take some time to talk through the more specific expectations. And you just may find that co-oping brings something beautiful to your teens and to you with other moms. And I think while we're taking some time, yes, if folks have some time to take some time to go to iTunes, it doesn't really take that much time to go to iTunes. You can do it. It's a little bit of pain in the neck, but it it's, is. It, yeah, it but, is. it's easier on your phone than it is on your desktop. And then you can leave a review and some stars. Stars. We and like stars. Yeah. And people can find the Homeschool High School podcast. Yes, that helps iTunes show us to other people. So if you are helped or encouraged by the Homeschool High School podcast, help some other homeschooling, high schooling families find encouragement as well. And they can take some time by going to other podcasts on the Ultimate, Ultimate Homeschool, Homeschool Radio, Radio Network. Network. Indeed. Like the Homeschool Sanity Show. Ah, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Psycho with Six. We love the Homeschool Sanity Show. It's, it's real very stuff. wonderful. Good stuff is there, and you are not alone. And there is not one right way to homeschool high school. Indeed. So avail yourself of encouragement from lots of other homeschoolers. And join us next time for the follow-up to this podcast, which will be a lot of more specific, concrete how-tos how for different types of co-op experiences. So thank you for joining us. This has been the Homeschool High School Podcast from 7sistershomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. 